Welcome to Obstetrics and Gynaecology Emergencies. This is a podcast developed by the Obstetrics and Gynaecology Group of University College Dublin. The following podcast is the fourth of six episodes reviewing shoulder dystocia. We've chosen shoulder dystocia as the third emergency for the podcast, as it is a time-dependent, acute obstetric emergency that can occur unexpectedly and is a significant cause of fetal and maternal morbidity. This podcast will cover a very basic review of initial management of shoulder dystocia. Many clinicians initially learn management by using the monomic helper, that's H-E-L-P-E-R-R. As they gain experience, clinicians may change the order of their procedures, but this is a good place to start. H stands for call for help, and this reiterates the principle of having lots of other people available in an emergency. This is not an emergency where one person can deal with everything on their own, if at all possible. Who to call for help? Well, a senior midwife, senior obstetrician, senior obstetric nurse, they're essential, as are senior paediatricians and neonatal nurses in case the baby will require resuscitation after delivery. If the initial steps of the management don't work, porters and anaesthetic staff may be required. A scribe, who could be a student, is essential to call at times and write down what's happening when it happens. E stands for evaluate for episiotomy. It's important to realise that the key word in that phrase is evaluate. Remember the shoulders are caught in the bony parts of the pelvis and not the perineum. Doing episiotomy will not deliver the baby but instead makes room to allow other manoeuvres to be performed. Sometimes cutting episiotomy may take more time than would be liked and may not actually help that much So that's why we say evaluate for episiotomy. That's essentially shorthand to say evaluate to see if an episiotomy will be useful or not. L stands for legs. Essentially means put the mother's legs into a position called MacRoberts position. As you can imagine, changing the position of the mother may be startling to her if she's not startled yet by what's going on. So this is a point to also remind me to say that's really important to tell the mother in a gentle way what's going on. Her instinct may be to push harder that's only going to push the shoulders further against the bony pelvis. Mac Roberts' position involves hyperextending and abducting the maternal hips so that the anterior surface of the maternal thigh is nearly touching the anterior surface of the abdomen. It's a pretty undignified position, so it's all the more important to tell the mother gently what's going on so she understands the importance of it. If the mother has been propped up, pillows need to be removed so she's lying flat. This means that she may be moved from a position where she can see what's going on to a position where she can't. So it's all the more important to continuously communicate with her what's happening. One staff member on either side of the mother may be required to get her into this position. One of these pair will normally be talking to the mother and the other one will be preparing to do the next step in the management of shoulder dystocia. A third person will be trying to deliver the baby and a fourth documenting proceedings is a scribe. A fifth person or team of persons may be preparing to possibly resuscitate the baby when delivered. Placing the mother into MacRoberts' position may deliver the majority of shoulder dystocias. One study suggests up to 90% of babies with a shoulder dystocia may need only these three initial steps. Our experience in Dublin is often that women with a shoulder dystocia may need a fourth step, suprapubic pressure, that we'll discuss in a moment. This may be because we're quicker to go to a fourth step or maybe because of different definitions of shoulder dystocia. The fourth step is P, standing for suprapubic pressure. 
This and the next step is based on the idea that the clinicians need to narrow the fetal bisacromial diameter. If you consider the acromion process of the humerus, then the bisacromial diameter is the distance from one acromion process to the other. Narrowing the bisacromial diameter by internally rotating and adducting the shoulder joint may deliver the shoulders. One way to internally rotate and adduct the fetal shoulder joint is to put pressure posterior to the shoulder joint. This can be applied externally to the mother by pressing suprapubically on the maternal abdomen. Clinicians may use a two-hand technique similar to that of chest compressions in resuscitation. During all these steps, it's really important to think that the delivering clinician is not pulling too hard or too long to deliver the baby. One of the complications of shoulder dystocia is Erb's palsy due to brachial nerve damage. So pulling on the shoulders may stretch the brachial plexus and cause damage. Only one or two pulls should be attempted. Consider also the strength of the delivering clinician. Many simulations of shoulder dystocia will estimate the power used and forces over 100 newtons are more likely to cause nerve damage. A strong, rugby-playing man may actually need to be very gentle to deliver a baby with a shoulder dystocia. This concludes the initial management of shoulder dystocia, the first four steps that should resolve many cases. In the next podcast, we'll review the last three steps of management, the ERR, as well as the possible complications of shoulder dystocia. Thanks for listening.